0: Erie, Peace Impact Program Development Officer at the Community Foundation NI. In this podcast, the latest in our Postcards from the Age series, I'll be joined by James from the Northwest Cultural Partnership at Breedy and Kevin from Cregan Enterprise Limited. Both of these groups are currently receiving PUP funding. Before we hear from our guests today, I wanted to set the scene a little by quoting from the IFI's effective peacebuilding report. During the past 20 years, huge progress has been made through the peace process in Northern Ireland, and there now is a cautious optimism about the future. While Northern Ireland and the border counties have been considerable economic growth, the unpalatable fact that we still love, work and learn in a largely segregated society remains unsolved. Northern Ireland is still divided by our so-called peace lines and sectarian prejudices are still evident across our society. As we move forward, the Fund's work in promoting integration and challenging these attitudes is once again at the forefront of community relations and peace building. Since this report was published, Brexit was implemented and we have also been through a pandemic, both of which have added further layers of complexity to an already sensitive and often tricky situation. In today's podcast we'll discuss what's happening on the ground in the communities in which we work, what has changed, and some of the challenges being faced, and what wider society could do to support these development efforts. It's great to have an opportunity to talk to both of you about an area that I've worked on for most of my career. Would you mind briefly introducing your organizations and telling us a bit about what they do?
1: My name's Kevin Hipsley, and I'm the manager of Craigan Enterprises. Craigan Enterprises are a social enterprise and a charity who have just recently celebrated their 30th anniversary um and we have quite a long history of partnership with the AFI going back to the, roughly the late 80s uh, our original uh, remit back then involved the socio-economic post-conflict regeneration of the Craigan community via a project which promoted principles of local ownership economic democracy and cooperative development we see work with AFI in the early 90s to fund and develop the Rathmore center and the Rathmore complex and wider site now houses some 60 plus businesses and community projects some 300 workers. Craigland Enterprises always strive to be a neutral, inclusive, engaging and proactively servicing all communities and constituencies. We deliver a range of social, community development, educational and peace-building programs which work with young people, young women and families, legacy victims and survivors, those with complex needs and marginalized constituencies.
2: My name is James Key and officially I've been uh, working in community development now for almost 20 years. initially becoming a tradesman after leaving school, going on to managing my own business for a few years. Uh, And I suppose this was maybe a strange pathway into community development, but my pastimes included uh, soccer and cricket, uh, being members of sporting clubs. But that led to different roles, having responsibilities and management within those clubs. I was also a member of a local marching band and the Orange Institution. All this seen me take... um, I lead on organizing events at local and district levels. So I suppose the moral of the story was that I was already involved in community development in a volunteer capacity, but I didn't realize it. And I'm currently employed by the Northwest Culture Partnership on a Peace Impact Program. And on the Northwest Culture Partnership, the concept of that originated in 2013 as a result of successful cultural collaborations during the UK City of Culture year. A lot of conversations occurred before and during that year because the minority PUL community, which for years had been largely marginalised in the city, was needed in order to get the council bid across the line and then to make sure collectively we showed the city in a positive and progressive way during that international showcase year. Despite some negativity and claims of tokenism within our own community, groups who would eventually form the Northwest Culture Partnership, they stepped up to the challenge and haven't looked back since. The constituency of people I work with come predominantly from a PUL background, but not exclusively. Thanks to this Peace Impact Program, it allows the opportunity to network and share experiences with other groups, for example, uh, groups that Kevin would represent here in Craigan.
0: Thank you, James and Kevin. So, bringing it back, we've the Community Foundation has over 40 years of expertise in connecting people who care with causes that matter. Since March 2020, the Foundation has awarded 7 million of funding to over 1,000 communities supporting various causes. It continues to support those who are caught in the margins of society, and today we are going to focus on the work of the Peace Impact Program and thriving after the conflict. The Peace Impact Program is managed by the Foundation and supported by the International Fund for Ireland. It helps build sustainable peace and prosperity in communities, especially in areas where the peace process has had limited outcomes for them. Communities are struggling with issues related to paramilitarism, disadvantage, social and economic deprivation. Using our networks, the Foundation has spent time engaging with local organizations who are trying to make their community a better place and wish to go on a journey of transition. It's been a tense year working on community relations from rioting at Easter last year with water cannons in the streets of Belfast, two months of protest on the, on the protocol. So if you still mind me asking, could you outline the challenges or the barriers to peace in your community, at both the local and national level? and Tell me what's good about your communities?
2: Well, Sean, I'll kick in first this time. Uh, look, uh, part of the reason of the partnership that was formed be, between Brady and Ulster Scots Development Association and the Northwest Culture Partnership was that I originally worked on a Peace Unpack program. It was a pilot program called the Cultural Apprentice. and That was all about helping to empower people between 18 and 30 years of age um, and to make them become more employable. Um, I think the main reason for the partnership uh, was the inequality that I seen between the rural area in which I resided in the urban area. Um, and just some examples of that there. There is not one community development worker in a paid capacity between Derry and Sturban. And this became really prevalent and noticeable <coughs> and created a major challenge during the worst of the COVID pandemic. But thanks to the International Fund for Ireland and the management engine of a community foundation for Northern Ireland, I was allowed to diversify and play a role a coordinating role in that community, uh offering support in whatever way I could. I was lucky I was working with a community that put their shoulder to the wheel to support the most vulnerable in their area. Another example of some of the challenges is the uh, distribution of resources. For example, youth provision after schools, youth clubs, etc. In this district there's 21 staff employed to provide um to provide that type of support for youth uh, in the area. 19 of them are based in the urban setting, leaving two to cover the rural area. Yet in all, 40% of the kids live in a rural uh, area. So there, there was an issue that has been addressed and will be addressed. Other challenges in our community is that we are so parochial minded, that it should of let's not tell our neighbor how we got resourced for that project was so prevalent. But well, if anything positive come out of COVID, partnership working on the scale it was became a first. Faith based groups, community and sporting groups, marching bands, local orange lodges all dovetailed in the delivery of much needed support. Plus urban and rural. Um, and we're sitting here in the Craigan today with Kevin and we shared resources there. We had an initiative where we started to fabricate these face masks, for example, but we didn't have the resources for food packs and that. So We swapped resources and uh, and helped each other out there. So there was a good urban, rural um, connect. Nationally, it's the usual challenges through politics. You mentioned riots there a while ago that allowed us to engage with some of the people that potentially were or were not involved in that, offering initiatives, uh, looking at positivity and how they could diversify. And I'm glad to say there was a couple of projects delivered there that I did think help. uh, Get young people off the streets, that uh, they work, not going to end up at police records and so on. In our, in our area, they talk about underachievement and controlled schools. Um, and I do have to say, people do push the integrated schooling, but if we look at the stats, 90% of social housing live in single identity communities. So, irrespective of whether we had integrated to schooling today or not, you know, it's still going to be different. But we have good working relationships with the schools and we can see more partnership working with the control of the main sectors through our Peace and Reconciliation Project.
0: Okay, you, James and
1: Kevin. So James has covered a lot of issues there, obviously. In terms of this particular community, the, the Cregan community, some of the challenges and barriers and stuff that, that we're working with. So obviously Cregan is recognized consistently as one of the most deprived communities in the North um the cost of living crisis is very real here for people on the ground um and you can talk about peace all you want And a lot of people talk about peace as the absence of political violence but it's more than that it's a socio-economic inclusion of people in society that to me is peace and at the moment particularly in this community there's quite a bit of political fracture and marginalization of specific constituencies um a lot of demonization of individuals and constituencies as well which I particularly in our organization find them helpful. Um, in terms of the key challenges facing peace building in this area, and I think everybody in a lot of areas would say this. Um, the sort of original or initial activism based and voluntary base is declining. Um, so it's building people's awareness of of getting involved in community development is key. Um, I think in terms of leadership and succession plan as well, there's major challenges to be had in the sector um one of the main challenges that we face and a lot of groups face is, is gatekeeping and protectionism as well um, i think the the challenges now in terms of uh, trying to access funding is, is it's obviously much more difficult and uh, people are you know maybe treading in other people's toes in certain areas and stuff like this as well so it can become quite quite divisive um when you know in a lot of cases people are working at silos where they could they could unlock greater benefits um, working together a lot of the issues that we face, um, and, and I'm sure James will agree with me here, we don't face a huge amount of uh, inter-community conflict or, or problems in this area. Um, a lot of the issues that we face are in drag community, within our own communities. Um, and uh, as James alluded to, there's a lot of very good work that's being done across community basis. I think that's positive, I think, from this the perspective of this area as well. Um, the negative some of the negative media attention and profiling we get in this area can be very unhelpful. Um, so I think a lot of the work that people are doing on the ground to try and combat that is very positive, that sort of negative aspect of this community. Um, Cregan is a, traditionally a very resilient um, area that has suffered greatly as a result of the conflict. Um, and because of that, it's highly, highly resilient um there are some very good services in the are some good community groups doing a lot of good work on the ground um uh, the housing in terms of the housing stock is excellent in there and it's a very attractive area for people to come to um crime is actually very very low in there um and i think um there are good people well-intentioned people who um are looking to to really contribute people have been here in the community for a long time like shauna who comes from this community as well and i have to give her a juice she did a lot of stuff over and above what you would expect a normal community development worker to do um, answering calls every every morning every night regardless they're gonna be very very challenging situations on the ground um, and i think that's key as well that there are people within their own community willing to, to do the work within their own community uh, i'm from Craigen but i no longer live in craigin um so i'm now considered a, a blow, blow on but, um, but it's great that people are willing to do the work within the community as well who, who live in the community, because that's the hardest type of work to do. Um, but in terms of the work that, that we're funded to do by AFI and supported by, by CFNI, certainly, everybody um, everybody's an acknowledgement that the recent sort of stuff around Brexit protocol, legacy sort of proposals, all these things. They're creating tension at a high level, but that bubbles down in the community as well, and people like James shauna and myself and a lot of other people have to pick up the pieces on the ground
0: thank you kevin i'll we'll just move on to the next question what emerging issues do you see facing the communities in the NA in the next year or two james could you well
2: i think uh, i think kevin's already covered um, i suppose there are, there are emerging or continuing issues more so than emerging issues and But at at, at the minute uh, in the community that I would work specifically on as the elephant in the room is protocol. But if there is a positive slant to this topic, it's that all the public representatives, parties agree that something needs fixed, tweaked, changed, you know, but unless we're prepared to continue to sit around the table, you know, we, we need our public representatives, local and central government to sit, negotiate. Uh, I know you'll always get people uh, within a forum that'll feel that they're there to compromise, but feel that they're conceding all the time. But that'll happen our respect of what, you know, I think everybody should enter into that room in a positive manner, be prepared to compromise for the good of all. And let's let's take the politics out of it per se, but we we, we need central government back there. We need a representative sitting there. Prepare to go in and negotiate and get some kind of an outcome because that is you know, some of the language that is used by our representatives other representatives and as kevin has alluded to it is really has created a lot of tension uh, in the community that i work on specifically
1: so let, let, let's get around the table folks and keep talking
0: and yourself kevin
1: hi so obviously those issues that are the outworking basically as a result of the work of brexit those issues are are going to be here for a while uh same with the legacy issues and you know some of these macro political issues that you know we can't we don't really have a great say in but we we do end up having to deal with the outworking of it on the ground certainly they're going to they're going to rumble on i think the big issues really though that are facing communities at the moment that we're going to see major impact with are as I say, we <laughs> working on the cost of living crisis, um, which, to be honest, people don't realise is it's it's only going to get worse. Um, and you know, we can all talk about peace building, as I say, and we can all talk about the, the issues that we, you know, we think about that, that. You know, our frame of reference is set in the past in terms of different groups and armed groups and all this sort of stuff in the conflict. I think everybody on the ground, whether in James's community or my community, aren't really worrying about that. They're worrying about can they feed their wings? Uh, are they going to be paid a mortgage? Are they going to pay? Yes, there are paid. there are issues. No doubt about it. There are issues around, you know, people's fears about the constitutional question in Ireland. And no doubt about it. But let me tell you, if they can't feed their wings tomorrow and can't keep the roof over their head, that is the superior factor influencing us all. And it's something that we can all get behind and we can all talk about and we can all have agreement on and consent us on. And I don't think there's anybody within nationalism who if, if there's an issue with a protocol that needs fixed, you know from a national perspective, as long as that's not resulting in me having a land border in this island, fix it, surely, great. If it makes things easier for people on the ground, if it if it economically uh, improves this part of the world and stuff like that, 100%, go for it, fix it. There's nobody questioning that at all. Um, but certainly, you know, the rhetoric that, that everybody is is, is is talking about at the moment is unhelpful. Um, and as James alluded to, we need to have more conversations. Dialogue is the key to all this work. great enterprises are, that is the core of everything we do is inclusive dialogue and will talk to anybody and at the end of the day everybody needs to get into a room or different rooms or whatever and have this conversation. I think there's a large piece of work to be done on a single identity basis, first possibly. Um, but after that we need to be getting in their room and having these conversations. We all live in a very small piece of the world here um, and we need to we need to sort of uh deal with these issues. Um, because we don't want this stringing on and affecting our children as well. It's, you know, the failures of the past can't, can't keep perpetuating this problem. We need to deal with these issues now. Yeah. And what do you think are
0: the opportunities out there for peace
1: building? Opportunities? <coughs> I think we have to look at our young people and I think we have to try and empower both young people and communities. I think it was interesting, we had a number of events here over the last few months and we had a particular event where we had, I say Jeremy Corbyn over and we had a number of young people from the secondary schools in here. Um, and we had, uh, it was over from St Cecilia's and boys over from St Joe's and they were quite politically savvy and they asked some very politically savvy questions because they had somebody to gather in the room, but it was important to me or interesting to me, and it was something that I said. Jeremy Corbyn called out. He says nobody really talked there about legacy, nobody really talked about the past. It was all about the future. It was all about issues and around climate change, around um, rights, around um, you know opportunities, around economic economic development, about access to a whole range of things, liberal issues and stuff like that. And it was very, for me, it was very positive that they weren't stuck in the past. Um, and I think you know. And I know a lot of other people, I Tony Dark as well, who's a mainstay here locally in the area, always talks about this, that you know, the structures themselves, establish structures on the established structures themselves on the ground, and we have to play our part in this, um, are also perhaps part of the problem in that we set a framework for engagement that the community falls behind, or that they, that they have to seek buy-in too. I think we need to empower the community more, and we need to empower individuals, particularly young people, more. To start making changes themselves and start being more aware and start buying into the dialogue and everything else that's involved but for me the opportunity would be that and the fact that as I say some really positive relationships have developed over recent years and James will tell you this as well and, you know we have some uh, running conversations around quite robust conversations around certain things um you know and we're not afraid to talk about these things on a cross-community basis and that's been very positive and the stuff that the outworking of, of some of the, the joint work that was done during Covid crisis as well was very, very positive, so now I think there's opportunities there. And I think we need to, as I say, maybe get more new blood into the arena as well, the Peace building Arena, I think that is key, the succession planning, the leadership stuff, all that, we need to get new young blood involved. And also engage ourselves in a wider business, look outside with this place, look outside, design island see what's happening in our places as well and bring it back here. Some things we can be very provoquial. And I think that's that's something that we can look at as well.
2: Um, I'm going to pick one word that uh, Kevin used there and it's youth. Um, we we had a central government down for three years there not that long ago. And I, I do have to say that people like Kevin, myself and others who work on some of their projects, we were, we were the alternative uh, leadership. We were the go-to people in the community. Uh some would say that we didn't miss government for three years, uh, but that's okay. And if you're working in the health sector and you're waiting budgets coming through uh, and stuff like that, obviously it has a major impact that the decision makers are not sitting at their desk. Um, I've already mentioned that during COVID, communities coming together. Um, there was no questions asked whenever you were delivering that food pack or anything else to somebody's door, you know. Uh, what religion, creed, color, age, size, shape you were or anything else. For the first time in the rural community, I already alluded to the fact we've seen communities coming together who are very, very parochial on their thoughts. Churches, lodges, sporting groups, they all worked in their own wee bubbles there. They had come together and worked collectively. I am glad to say that that was one of the positives that came out there and they continue to work on that partnership role, and what, what you've seen from those organizations that were struggling in their own wee bubble, they've now all got stronger because they're contributing to each other. So that's that's a, an opportunity going forward, you know, and, um, but we do need to continue with communication. Once communication stops, once that dialogue stops, there's absolutely major issues. You know, how can we deal with these issues? If the decision makers are you not know, prepared to sit around and negotiate with people that they see that are in the opposition. And let's face it, folks, we live in a beautiful country here and everything else. A lot of people are starting to, visitors are starting to come back in from other parts of the world. And, um, you know, and let's explore everybody's heritage and culture because we've got a rich tapestry of different heritage and cultures here that it has been proven through projects like this can, that can work side by side in a partnership.
0: Thank you, James. And just before we sign off on this podcast, I'd like us to finish up with some final considerations and thoughts. Could you each tell me what's the long-term changes do you think are needed to ensure Northern Ireland remains a peaceful and stable society?
2: Um I again I'm probably go, gonna go back, uh Sean, to some of the comments. Um I always say without ending up with a dislocated shoulder, patting ourselves in the back, but um Funders and support mechanisms, like the International Fund for Ireland, managed by management agents like the Community Foundation for Northern Ireland, there is a certain degree of flexibility in there. What I had my application form six months ago, and the issues that I'm addressing today may may not even be mentioned in my application form before before I was put in post, and it's that flexibility that's there to address issues as they appear without. Giving them the opportunity to sit and fester because if they fester too long without being addressed at all well you know what it just makes things more difficult but kevin alluded to the fact we need more bombs and seats more people on the ground doing the right thing but i think the way forward is working in partnership with our neighbors neighbors thank you james and kevin
1: i definitely echo all those sentiments um i think what is missed to a certain degree in the area, uh the, the sort of peace building sector, if you might call it that, um, is that sort of calculated risk taking. And IFA and cfni have been to the four in terms of that uh for many, many years. Uh, and that is a you can't, you know, you can't gain peace without taking some risks. That's very, very simple. The other thing I would I would I would try and say quite strongly is <clears throat> in the area, we the area that we work in here specifically, Craig. It is politically fractured. Um, there are a number of constituencies on the margins. There are, you know, some would say um quite challenging issues that we face in the day-to-day. So, for example, policing and stuff can be can be uh, quite challenging in this community with a very low level of confidence in policing in this area. Um, and a lot of that is to do with what seems to have been a shift in in the sort of peace-building ethos or peacekeeping ethos. And it gets down to those two terms, peacekeeping and peace building. And O'Connell, who's, who's uh, one of the people who's been a mentor to me here in terms of peace building, um, he talks about how the balance between peacekeeping and peace building is, is definitely uh, out of kilter at the moment. The focus, the sort of focus uh, from a statutory perspective is on peacekeeping, which is about you know the powers of the state, uh, legislative powers, policing powers, things like that. Whereas the peace building uh, element is a much more sort of minimal element at the moment. And I think those, you know, both of those need to be working in tandem uh, to get the best of, out of the whole peace building sort of um, uh, arena. Um, and on a very specific note, I'd just like to say as well that for those who are still engaged in, in, in working with groups who are on the margins and just who are in the margins, who are at various stages perhaps, of the journey or not towards maybe a conflict transformation and transition, there isn't a great deal of support, formally structured support for that. So informally through the fund of IFI and people like that, yes, there are supports in place, but the structures that actually allow for these mechanisms to, to be delivered no longer really exist, um, and they need to be worked on as well. And I think the International or the Independent Reporting Committee um, have alluded to that in their recent report. So, that's something that I think it really needs to be pursued in order to give people a foundation uh, to do this work properly.
0: Thank you, Kevin. Um, so, I think that's kind of all finished. So, I'd like to thank the both of these for taking part today on this postcard from the age. And for anybody seeking any further information, please just visit our website. Thank you.
1: Thanks. Thank you, Sean. Bye. Bye. Bye.